Good morning. Thanks for being here today. This morning I'm going to read our scripture lesson from the message. Sometimes I use a different interpretation when I want to hear a familiar verse, and maybe hear it in a new way. So hear now the word of God. When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Can you imagine how uncomfortable that worship service might have been? Jesus told his friends and his followers what was to come, and now they stand in the midst of this event, and it's coming true. Surely they had feelings of unbelief. Maybe they were even a little scared. But Jesus told them it was happening, and John the Baptist told them it was coming. And they had been forewarned that this day would come, and now this promise is fulfilled. Since Easter, Jeremy has been preaching on the post-resurrection stories that we read in Scripture. And last week, Nancy shared with us the story of the ascension of Jesus to heaven. And this continues the story, but it's based on all those other lessons that we've learned up until this point. Because this week, we turn our attention to what the disciples heard firsthand, and a prophecy fulfilled. In the Gospel of Luke, we read this. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with the power from on high. Scholars suggest using Luke's gospel when preaching on Pentecost, but today, in addition to focusing on the gift that we've received of the Holy Spirit, I would like us to pay attention to how Jesus sets this up for his disciples and for us still all these years later. In Acts 1, verse 4, Jesus tells his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the Father's promise. Jerusalem is a place where Jesus was brought to be presented to the temple. It's a place where he preached, a place where he healed, a place where he attended festivals. So Jerusalem has significance in this story. And the day of Pentecost festival also has a significant celebration point. I find it interesting that we're celebrating Pentecost and Memorial Day in these same few days, because memorial means serving to preserve and remember. In America, we observe this day to honor and mourn military who have gone on and sacrificed their lives for our freedom. We also pause and give thanks to their family for what they have lost in our honor. Thank you to Reverend Dr. Bob Winstead for his presentation of the wreath this morning. That was a very touching moment for me last service, and I couldn't watch it this service because I was afraid I was going to start crying too early. But in a sense, the Feast of Pentecost is also a day of remembering. Every year as Christians, we come together on this day and we celebrate in worship the significance. 
We remember the events of the day of Pentecost that began God's new church. In doing so, we acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit, not just in that story, but in every second of every day of our lives. Does this bring you comfort, or does it make you uncomfortable? On this first day, when the Holy Spirit made available to all to receive, I imagine they had many questions, many doubts. I imagine that it was an uncomfortable experience. The people gathered might have been asking, what is happening? What should I be doing? How can I respond to this? Should I even stay here, or should I run home where I feel safer? Have you found yourself in a position of having to make decisions that in the moment felt pretty uncertain? We could probably all answer yes to this, because life is filled with choices and opportunities that cause us to be in these moments that cause us to have this internal tension about what it is we're supposed to do. What do I say yes to? What do I say no to? Who might I disappoint based on my answer? How do I know the right thing to do? We can get stuck in these details. We can get stuck in our circumstances, and we can get stuck in our responses to life's daily decisions. And being stuck can make us uncomfortable. So what do we do? I remember my father-in-law, when he was battling stomach cancer, um, Rhett and would go down every weekend for the last 13 to 14 weeks that he was in his battle. And I was in a Bible study at the time, and we were studying Acts. And we spent most of our time discussing and asking the question to ourselves and to one another, How do we know the right thing to do? How do we know what it is that the Holy Spirit is prompting me to do? How do I know if I'm acting on my own or in God's will? Rhett and his dad's visits lasted, and every time he would go, I would feel like, I want to go too. I want to go down there. I want to be with Bobby. I want to visit. And I knew the reality is we had two small children and I needed to stay back and keep things going at home. And actually they needed that time to be together. So one day in the middle of the week, I had this feeling and prompting, if you will. And I just really felt strongly that I was going to drive to Barnesville and go visit. And it was a Thursday and Rhett was already down there. And so I did what I learned in Bible study. I found a quiet place to go and pray, a room much smaller than something that I would probably normally sit in, got rid of the distractions, and I took on this posture. It was the first time I had ever done this. It was years ago, where I really just shut out the distractions and went to God. And it was a really simple prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, guide me. Tell me what to do. Is this what I want? Or are you prompting me to go? Well, I went, and I drove to Barnesville, which was two hours away, and 
had the most amazing visit. Bobby and I talked and we prayed and we were with family and it was the last conversation that I ever had with him. And I drove home thinking, what if I had ignored the Spirit? What if I had chosen not to stop and pray? What if I had chosen not to go? Who knows? But my life was definitely blessed that day for praying, discerning, and acting. It was a little uncomfortable, maybe even a little weird for me at the beginning. But that has changed. After that experience and many others since then, I have learned that in order to truly know what God is prompting you to do, you've got to put yourself in a position to listen. And then when you listen and you hear, you have to put yourself in a position to respond. We don't get to know how the people that day, that very first day when the Holy Spirit came, felt. We hear the details of the day. We know that there were loud noises. We know that there were strong winds, and we know that there were people speaking in different languages. I bet most of them felt unsure, awkward, uncertain, definitely uncomfortable. But I wonder how many of them leaned into what they had remembered being told and found a way to get comfortable in that space. I believe that we can experience Pentecost, that we can experience the presence of the Holy Spirit coming upon us every single day in a renewed way. When we open our eyes and our hearts to the transformative power of the Holy Spirit, we see things differently. We experience things differently, and we know that we begin to fear things less and trust more, that uncertainty does not need to be uncomfortable, and that maybe we just live in that space with the Spirit's guidance and just see what happens. We know that we have been given promises, and we know that we have been given instructions, and so we know our next steps. So let's go back for a minute and look at the scripture from Acts, chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. We get a chance to see Jesus' final instructions, which are ours. And Nancy taught us about this last week. But he was clear in what the disciples' next steps were to be. He tells them, The Holy Spirit will come to you, and you will receive the power to witness everything that you have learned and experienced. This promise is not just for the twelve and for the others who were there that day. This promise is for us. These instructions are for us. We are promised to have the Holy Spirit when we seek to understand what God wants for our lives. And we have a responsibility to act. We were promised help will come in times when we have to do hard things. Because hard things are uncomfortable. Difficult conversations and relationships are uncomfortable. Bad news is uncomfortable. And we try to avoid it as human beings at all costs, but we know that we cannot. And I believe that there is significance in these last words that Jesus shared. I think his timing was quite intentional, because for them and for us, 
who constantly ask, what is our purpose? What are our tasks? We're told, right? Go and, and give witness to all that God is doing in your life. Go and share your experiences. If you experience God in a unique way, in a unique moment, and there's some kind of transformative power in that, don't keep it to yourself. Share it so that others will know what God is doing, not just in your life, but in, in the world around them. When we understand the scriptures and when we understand the character of God at a deeper level and in new ways, then we can share what we've learned. We can share what we've experienced because this is part of our story. And you may not think that others want to know your story, but they do. Have you ever asked someone, can I ever tell you about my story? And you may not think you have one. Every single person has a story. Because God and the Holy Spirit are moving in every single person's lives. And we can all give testimony to that. Because God is faithful. We read this in the scriptures. We are, we are told when million different ways. If we tell our stories to one another right now, you can attest to God's faithfulness in your own life. And this gift of the Holy Spirit feels very personal because gifts are personal. It's to you. But if you'll notice, the Holy Spirit came upon these people as a community, as a community of believers. Because it's very important to understand that you need to receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your own life, but together we receive the power of the Holy Spirit so that as a community of faith, we get to respond to how God is calling us to serve. Our hope is that being together, that we can accomplish what God wants us to do. And our prayer is that as the body of Christ, we will seek value in each single person so that we know combined we fulfill God's call on our lives, on our church, in this community, which changes our world. We can welcome and we can offer a sense of belonging to others so that they know they have a place here. One of the ways that we do this is through our hospitality. It's how we offer the love, the grace, the mercy, the hospitality of Jesus Christ to everybody that we come in contact with. And I say come in contact with versus everyone who comes into our building because hospitality does not stay in the walls, right? Hospitality is who we are when we go outside of these walls. And if we want people to understand what it means to be a part of this faith community, we got to be the same people out there that we are in here. And by doing so, we give witness to the power of the Holy Spirit and the way that God is moving in our lives. Loving one another well is a fundamental characteristic of being a Christian. It's how we do things that matters. Recently, a couple of us, there were some staff people and some lay people, we went out to the Church of Resurrection and we were able to participate in the Art of Hospitality Conference. It was wonderful. We met Adam Hamilton, and we met their staff, and they told us all kinds of things that we didn't know. We were affirmed a little bit in some of the things that we were doing, and we're excited to put into practice some of the things that they taught us. 
One of the questions that they asked us when we were out there was, what does Jesus say about hospitality? They answered that question in this way. First, hospitality flows from a changed heart. We have to take on the full identity of Christ for this to become part of our DNA. So hospitality is not something that we do, it's something that we are, because it becomes a part of how we choose to interact and respond to God's love. It means that everything we do has to be done in the name of Christ, and everything we are has to be an example that Christ has already set for us. They reminded us that when our actions are driven by our heart, our actions have the power to change lives. I don't know about you, but for me, this is the message of Pentecost. Transformed lives because of the love and grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. When we are committed to be life changers, we have the power to witness all that God has done, all that God is doing, and all that God will do in our lives and in this place. We have the power to give hope to the hopeless, strength to the weary, and life to those who feel empty. We have the power to celebrate where there is testimony and witness to God's grace. And we have the power to offer a sense of belonging to be a part of this community. When we invite others to serve with us, study with us, worship with us, eat with us, we extend that grace and love. And we act as a bridge to supporting them, inviting them, encouraging them, and making them not feel uncertain or uncomfortable if they try something new. We all know it takes courage to walk into this space for the first time. If you're here for the first time, you did it today. If you're not here for the first time, you did it one day. 23 years ago, my family did it. We had been visiting churches around Athens, and we couldn't quite figure out where to land. So we came one morning by invitation, and the worship was good. The music was beautiful. The message was uplifting. No one told us to get out of their seat. We went and picked up our children, and our oldest asked, can we stay here? And I said, sure. Why here? He's like, the people were nice. That was a three-year-old. It doesn't take much. Just extend God's love that he already pours into you to others. I'm glad we stayed. And I hope that this was your experience when you first got here. And if it was, I hope that you will take an invitation to offer that to someone else so it's theirs. And if we're being completely transparent, if it wasn't yours, let us know. Because you can teach us how to do it better. None of us have the market on perfection because we're practicing our faith. And every day we get up and we're all doing the best we can but we can always learn. Today we celebrate Pentecost, but as I already said, I believe we experience Pentecost daily. 
I believe that when we remember the words Jesus gave his disciples and us, and when we receive fully the power of the Holy Spirit, we already know our next steps. We know what we're called to do. Go out into the world and offer love and grace and mercy and hospitality to everyone you meet. Pentecost was one of three pilgrimage feasts when households historically came together to celebrate God's goodness. On this day, as we remember the fallen who served our country and sacrificed their lives, as we remember to celebrate the birth of God's church, let us also remember to celebrate God's goodness. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, open our hearts and minds to being life changers to the world around us. Move among us as you transform us into the people you invite us to be, and as you transform the world into the place you dream it to be. In your name we pray. Amen.